if you've ever listened to a podcast or read one of my books and thought, I wish I knew if that was the right thing for my body, or how could I make that work with my schedule and responsibilities, I've got something for you. A new workbook by me coming out late spring. My Perfect Movement Plan, the Move Your DNA all-day workbook, is for your specific situation because you are going to finish writing it. When you're finished, you will have a guide to a personalized movement diet that nourishes your body in the ways that you need it to. My Perfect Movement Plan is available for pre-order now, and if you pre-order from the publisher, there's a bonus, a free ticket to an upcoming online workshop, Spot the Missing Micronutrients. It's a 90-minute class where you'll learn about five often missing movement micronutrients, and these are subtle movements of the body. In this case, we'll be looking in the shoulders and the hips and the feet that are often tied to pain or injury in those areas. In this workshop, I'll also show you how to supplement with exercise vitamins. I'm putting air quotes around vitamins and how to adjust your regular movement so exercise supplementation isn't as necessary. Pre-order now at mpmpbook.com. That's my perfect movement plan, mpmpbook.com. And you'll automatically receive a bonus class ticket. But wait, there's more. Um, I'm going to be drawing three names from these pre-orders and these peeps are going to get a small group session with me to go over your perfect movement plan. So you can ask me questions and we'll brainstorm your specific situation on a Zoom call together. I cannot wait. So head over to mpmpbook.com for all the details on the book and the bonuses. Read through the frequently asked questions, order the book, get the class, and then get moving. I'm so excited to share this workbook. It's the missing puzzle piece you've been waiting for, and it's so very actionable. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Katie Says Podcast, where Danny Hemmett and Katie Bowman talk about movement, the tiny details, the larger issues, and why movement matters. I'm Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of Move Your DNA. All right, Danny Hemmett, chronically curious movement teacher, what do you got to say? And I'm Danny Hammett, a chronically curious movement teacher. So today. Today. Today, chronically curious movement teacher. We're talking about, once again, nature, outside, green spaces. And are you ready for this? Yeah. You, you just We were just talking about jargon-free. I guess green okay. spaces is technically jargon. Blue spaces. What? I had never heard that term. I'm in the middle of finishing the edits for Dynamic Aging, which is a book on. Dynamic Aging? It's a book really geared to goldeners, which is a term that the four women who have been working with me for each one of them almost 10 years. Wow. They all started in their late 60s. They're now all in their mid or later 70s who move better now. 70 plus, almost 80, one's almost 80, than they did 10 years previously. 
that's the magic of your work. Well, me that, too. That's the magic. But of, I'm not a goldener. That's the magic of movement, right? Yes. So it's one thing for me to always say, you know, this works. It's another thing for people who've lived it. You know, it's one thing for like a 30 year old and then a 35 year old and a 40 year old be like, no, really start now. It's never too late. But when you have, <laughs> but when you have an 80 year old almost who is like 70, wasn't too late for me, move better that's, at 80 than I did at 69. That's impactful. It's pretty cool. I cannot wait. So we're going to talk about nature today. We're going to talk about nature school today, but, mm-hmm. but in doing a lot of research for this book, it turns out that, you know, vitamin N and this nature movement has got a lot of traction in schools. We were thinking about, oh, what's good for kids, right? But of course, it's what's good for humans of all ages. And blue spaces was a term that I found in a couple of research papers where they're finding that that um, goldeners, I'm going to coin this term, dang it, goldeners who are reporting depressed, like a lot of things that are typical of a particular age group in our culture, depression, uh, chronic pain, foggy headedness, that just by engaging in green and blue spaces, blue spaces are, wait for it, places where there are bodies of water still or unmoving. So they can be a pond, a water feature, a lake ocean blue spaces that's cool don't you love it i I don't i do i just love it because i was like i guess it's just a terminology i'm a geek you're a wordsmith i'm I'm expecting i'm frankly disappointed that you're not more excited oh well i just i kind of feel silly because i was thinking sky i was thinking sky when you said blue spaces you're like everyone needs to move (laughs) out of well but look look up you know if there's too many buildings and stuff you kind of i feel like choked yeah so that's where my interpretation was Uh but i also do like a body of water right who doesn't love a big body of water who doesn't so big glassy still voluptuous body water. you're like if you got no lakes just fill up a glass of water and and, and just (laughs) sit down with it on the floor Water is life. Power Water is to the life. people. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about green spaces, blue spaces, how to specifically, this is how to start a nature school, right? Yeah, some ideas, because we get a lot of questions, actually. Oh, yeah. A lot of people write totally. us and say, how do I do this? Right. And I feel like if you're listening and not one of those people who wrote in, you're like, I'm not <laughs> starting a nature school. I already have a job. So the over the overarching theme is not start a nature school as much as different ways to bring nature into your personal life, your community, community. I just listened to the outtakes of the audiobook, and there was a lot of community. So community, <laughs> we edited them all out. The, how, to, how to bring it into your community, whether it's your education community, if you, have a, if you have families or friends, how to get together collectively in nature. So right off the bat, before well, we... Just into your life, I guess. Is it doesn't that, even have to be... I mean, all of the things that we are going to suggest yes. today, and we are by no means experts in doing this. By no means. No means. By no means. But any of this stuff can be reduced down to just you yourself. Like, what yeah, can you do for totally. you? So before... We're going to go into schooling, and then, of course, ways to expand that. But the first thing I just read, the BBC... I was going to go look for it, right? Uh, the BBC posted something on vitamin nature and one of one of the things it was talking about was i'm stalling because i'm trying to look for it as i talk one of the things it mentioned was step one create a green space in your home like don't worry if if you are like in a total urban area and you're just like you can't get to nature 
bring nature into your home. And there's a whole appendix in Movement Matters that the creator of my nature school and the larger nature organization, she put it together because she's taken lots of training. And the first thing is get plants in your home, get, mm-hmm. get rocks, get, I mean, we have, I should uh, post a couple of pictures. I just have our windowsills are full of treasures and the treasures that we find when we're hiking aren't only to commemorate the hike as much as they're things to touch again and right. recall. And well, you've been to my house. It's like plant central. I have to have plants all around. Yeah. Well, it, you kind of do as a human. Right. So yeah. that's that's the thing. We keep talking about it as it's decor. But let's go back yeah. a step. Humans require plant input. The end. So one way you can improve your or to like nature up your life is to allow a little bit more nature inside the walls of your home that are currently serving as a barrier between you and the rest of the natural world. So bring some inside. You don't have to put a sandbox in your living room, but there are little ways. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, school. Excellent. Well, we'll try and link to that. Send me that and I'll put it in the show notes. Just come over. Everyone, just come over. Really? You want us to come over right now? So, well, this is not going right. to air right now. But yes, as soon as you hear this, just drive, Just text me and I'll give you Danny's address. All right. So okay. let's talk about nature school. All of our kids are in nature school, different ages. Mm-hmm. I have younger kids. My kids are four and five. And how old are yours? I have 11 and 13 okay, nice. and almost 12 and 14. I got teen tweens, twin teens. Yeah, that's like a nice spectrum, I would say. There's, yeah. you know, and there's definitely yeah. earlier. And I have been in nature school with my kids since they were infants. So I've got that phase covered. When did you guys start? We didn't start until we moved to Boulder. Last year, they were in school. Where we lived in Montana actually only had preschool. Mm. And that's something we're going to talk about in this show because we run into that a lot. And some of us do have older kids. Yeah. This is their second year. And I think this school has been around for about maybe five or six years. Okay. All right. So what is your school like? It is a cool school. It does older kids in elementary school, so no preschool. And, and what is that technically, like starting at six? I th- I think, yeah, maybe. Actually, I think this starts at like third grade or something like that. Okay. And they are really skills, heavily skills-based. It's on a farm that has about 20 acres, and it's a working farm. But it's really overgrown and wonderful. So they combine, like they'll take the kids out, and they'll hand them a machete. <laughs> and they'll say, and they'll say, hack away from yourself and always hold the handle like this. Now go clear that Russian olive, which is an invasive species. And the spectrum of what they get to do, they get to hack at things with a large knife. They get the belief in themselves because an adult handed them that and didn't like take them through a 12 point litigious sheet of don't do this. They were like, cut away from, you know, common sense, cut away from yourself. Immediately there's confidence built. They're they're doing labor. It's benefiting the farm, right? Because they're clearing mm-hmm. this this stuff and they're going to feed it to the goats later. The kids all like hack it and then carry it over to the goats. They do things like they they build their own multi-stack knives. They make their own bows and arrows. They learn to skin animals. They learn to differentiate what's edible and what's not, how things grow. I mean, it's really super, super cool. And I've asked the owners many times if I could attend. And I guess I have 
at 45, I'm way past the 18-year-old <laughs> age limit. And so then I'm like, can I intern? And they're like, we have those. But that's how it is. They, they were in a different one last year that was much less skills-oriented, but I, I really felt that that was important for us. What do you mean by skills? Just so I know like, we're speaking the same, like, same, like what versus this other school? Like being able to build a bow drill, which Got is, it. you know, how you can start a fire. and. Yeah. And then working on that until you actually start your own coal, you know, and start a fire. Identifying animal tracks, you know, s- stalking animals because it's this big chunk of land. Pretty much everything, you know, making cordage. What was... All these cool things. In the in the school before, what were they doing in that school then? Mm. Just, I'm just trying to get a... I want to get a sense that right, I would right. love everyone to like, what are all the different things that are Right, there's on? so many different kinds. And this yeah. one was quite popular that we were in, but it just wasn't what my family was looking for. They were more into the spiritual journey of... Uh, it was more focused on just being out and being a part of nature. So but there's like a lot of storytelling oh, and, and stuff like that. And, and we're much more of a practical, kind of a hands-on family and just felt like you kind of pick that up when you're out squatting, you know, examining a track, I feel like that's pretty darn spiritual too. Mm-hmm. And you get the skills of knowing, is this a bear or a raccoon I'm following? Because mm-hmm. the there's difference. a difference. You don't want to be yeah. hot on the tail of a raccoon only to turn out, <laughs> rah, you know, life skills. Vicious little bandits. Okay. You know. What's yours like? Well, there's a lot of different components. So there's one large organization, which is... Olympic Nature Experience. And that program has multiple programs for different ages that we've attended. So the first one is a it's a drop-in parent-child experience. And it was it's from infants really up until ages five or six. And it's one day a week. It's like five bucks. And it is, it meets year-round, all weather. And it would be I feel like its purpose is to facilitate nature experiences for people who don't who aren't comfortable on their own, where that's something maybe new, like the fact that you go out even when it's raining and that you could take your kids out in it. So I feel like it's a service and that it it kind of bridges the gap for people who have long term nature deficit where I would put myself in that category. Like right. comfortable in nature was not how I grew up. I grew up being conditioned to be afraid of nature, just in mm-hmm. case anyone was thinking that I was some something different. No, I was not. You're you're no you're no Mowgli. No, absolutely okay. not. So that has store. There's a there's storytelling. Our school of all different ages and skills uses storytelling as a tool because it is a traditional way of usually explaining lessons without it being okay everybody now you're going to learn this and so right it's like there's a lot of stories that are used to help you identify animals that's how our school uses them for example there's all these stories about you know how the chipmunk got its stripes but then you learn based on the number of stripes and it was like you know and then the this animal scratched it back as it went through, and that's why they have stripes. And they understand that that's not why it has stripes, but yet, at the same time, they'll remember how many stripes it has and how to identify it. So lots of things Mm -hmm. like that for very small children, as well as being down by the water, you know, poking things with sticks, that very natural, organic desire to explore without any lesson agenda on it. You know, you're dealing with other kids, you're dealing with other grown-ups, so it's almost kind of like, there's, there's a lot of elements, but 
it is facilitated, but it's not overly structured. Right. Well, it sounds like a perfect entry if you're it's feeling great. like intimidated sure. or like not comfortable taking your kid out and about. And it's also sounds for, perfect for those of you who have a nature school or who have envisioned starting something larger. This program has been around for a very long time. It's done in conjunction with our Autobahn Center. It is the natural feeder into the nature school because what you have are kids who've been around the teachers for years and years and years. Their parents are comfortable with them, uh, with the teachers. The The children are comfortable with the teachers. The parents have over these years developed a comfort themselves in nature. And so it kind of makes sense like, oh, I guess we'll go to nature school because mm-hmm. my child feels comfortable here. It's not where if you are comfortable in the home, going to school inside is maybe a more natural segue, right? You're just, you're just right. so used to being inside. Why wouldn't you go to school inside? Well, if you're regularly engaging outside, why wouldn't you go to school outside? So it's, it's, yes. it's a really great program, super easy. And I highly recommend for anyone interested in starting a nature program to begin with something like this, because you don't have to deal with all the things that come with being responsible for children on your own. All the parents right. are there, right? So you're just going, I love nature. You love nature. I like stories. I have some basic training. I have a space. Let's start here. And it's like, it's just a very easy way to get started. So that's our our infant toddler. My kids still go sometimes. Was that on the weekend? Or? No, it's one day a week. It's a week Okay. I was day. just wondering like if a parent... You know, if both parents worked, if you could do tradesies with with another parent, sure. if they would let you take two kids, one of them not being yours, so that you could partake in that. We just take curious. kids all the time that aren't ours to that. Okay, they they don't care. That's cool. No, no, it's just that's like, an option. You know, if you're listening to this and going, yeah. "What? I'm Monday through Friday," but there's there's always options. Yeah, you just got to think outside. You got to think outside the way you're normally used to doing things. Right. Then there is the school, which is the preschool. It's a three to six, so it's a little bit past preschool. That is the nature school. And then there is a program five to 10, which is skills. So that's why I was interested in how your school Mm. delineates with skills. So skills, I think by our school's definition, are those things where more responsibility for one's own actions Mm-hmm. are translating more into a direct manifestation of what they did, like a fire or, you know, they're starting, they're do- using knives now. And when I was in California and on the Markegard farm for our launch party, we spent a day at their nature school. And their nature school is entirely different than our nature school because it goes, it started with older kids, like 14 to 18 year olds, and has mm-hmm. filled down all the way to preschool. Over the last, that's cool, and it's and it's like forty and fifty and sixty kids. Like it's it's huge. It's like wow, this is a long established program, and the kids break off into different groups and at different levels. They're like in all different areas, but they had badges. Their skills had the that they all had this leather badge, and then they would get different stamps punched into it when they got their tree tree climbing skills. Like for example, mm-hmm. to learn to get the tree climbing skills badge you had to you have to be able to identify the type of tree that you're about to climb you can't climb it if you don't know what it is 
Oh. Or you, you can't, you can, but you can't like that. This, these are the requirements of your um, badge. Everyone's it's earning the badge. You, yeah. And Got like it. you have a journal and you have to spend time d- drawing and writing things about the tree, sketching the bark. What are the animal species that are coming to it? What does it look like in the winter? What does it look like in the summer? And so you, you have a tree journal just so again, if you're like no way school, Tree journals might be something like I, w- I would actually like to have a tree journal as part of just something that I do, you know, like, oh, what is it? I cannot believe you said that. Why? Is that what I you got me? Is no, that what you got me for no. Christmas? Why? Uh, no, but I was thinking I was, I don't know, I was doing something with a tree and I'm like, I wonder what this is. And I thought, wait a minute, you have a North American tree field guide at home. So why don't you start a tree journal? Mm-hmm. And so I started just because, you know, I can only learn this stuff in bits and pieces. Yeah. We're twinsies. We're twinsies. I already got you a gift, but maybe I'll <laughs> have to trade it in for a tree journal. Well, just send me your tree journal when you're done. But it's like it's okay. like the beauty of sketching it, right? There's so many things right. that go into that. Well, you're observing. It's more than just like matching. You're like really paying attention to it. Smell it. What does it mm. smell like? You know, like what mm. do your senses tell you about this being that is in front of you? So anyway, there's that. And then there's... There's five rules. I don't have my tree badge. I don't exactly. I think it's five rules. Like, don't step on any branches that are dead. Don't step on any branches that are smaller than your wrist. I mean, like, they just have these these things that you learn that eventually go out and give you kind of a template for when you're outside of the school, et cetera. So right. that's, that's our skills. And then we've got this preschool that's in the middle, which both of my kids have attended all of the years it's been in existence. My son does two days in the preschool and then one day in the skills. The skills will increase in frequency of days because the programs keep filling, which is great. But we have mm-hmm. that. That preschool is definitely more, they're tracking. I I find it well, to be nature rich. Like I find my kids are always coming home with these things about animals. I just did an interview for Soft Star on, nat- on nature. We can link to that in the show notes. But it's like, you know, my son will just pop off. You know, does anyone else have this phenomenon when you come home, when your kids come home from school? You're like, what'd you learn at school today? They're like, oh, nothing. Or how was your say? Oh, good. But then five hours later or seven days later, let's pop off. It's like the ears of an owl aren't in the same line. And you're like, what? Like one's higher than the other. It's like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's how I knew this nature school that we're in now was good because they would pop off nothing last year. But this year they get in the car and they're like, oh. and this is how an apple tree grows. Uh. And, then, you know, and I'm just like, so I get this fantastic education. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I drive slower just so I can hear more. You know, it's great. It's amazing. And it's always because do they play games. They, too, they, your, they do. And because I forgot to mention games are huge, huge learning opportunities okay super fun don't even know super fun game that i'm going to tell everyone right now and danny i swear you would like to play it with me one person sits blindfolded or eyes closed if they're trustworthy in a circle with keys right in front of them so they're sitting cross-legged on the ground keys in front of them everyone else is in a circle around that person and then one a leader, it's the teacher, right? So all the kids, there's got one kid in the middle, all the kids in a circle. I say kids, I love playing this game. <laughs> the teacher will point to a kid and that kid will have to creep in Ooh. and try to steal the keys. But the person in the middle is listening intently and is that is awesome. pointing the finger at any person that they hear coming in. 
It's so fun. It's so fun. And what is it? It's like it's it's a game. It's a game for both the person in the middle and the people on the outside. Sure. Like it's oh, so many games yeah. like that that have some yeah. sort of physical skill, but thoughtful too. I mean, you're you're aware, like your awareness is heightened, but lots of things like that. There's a lot of things you can look for in your area if you're wanting to bring more nature education into your life. You know, there's sometimes adult classes because I'm sure your place has those as well, right? The Olympic Nature Experience. We do has adult classes. Well, okay. and it's starting senior classes for called Silver that's, Foxes. That's cool. You know, or, or even like Audubon Center. Just like right. there are nature organizations that lead bird walks. And, right. you know, and there's an expert there is like, oh, do you hear that call? I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways to to get it. Mm-hmm. Bushcraft. Well, classes. maybe. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about some of these resources that you and I know of. And we'll put all those in the show notes. You want to just kind of move forward on that? Well, the, so we have time to hit all these or. I think that the, the first thing to do. So because the thing with resources is sometimes they don't. Cover everywhere the first thing to do is just go google your town name and or your city area and nature program bush like what are the key words because what i have found is a lot of stuff isn't online in the way that you would expect it to be right i think i have even different thing to do first okay what's this and that's kind of figure out what you want for yourself and your family, because you're going to either run into lots of options or no options. And either ah. way, you're going to need some sort of mission statement about what you're looking for in this education experience. Oh, so these aren't resources. These are steps. Yeah. Well, let's do both. Okay. I don't know. All right. So step one, what are, you, are you talking personal mission statement regarding nature school? Is that what I hear coming out of your mouth? Yeah. yeah PMS. PMS. What are you guys PMS. looking for? Yep. What, what were you, you looking, looking for? for? So you guys were looking clearly for... Like your kids are older, they want actionable items, right. pra- skills, practical, usable yeah. skills, and and lots of moving yeah. while they're doing it. And does it have to be weekend outside? I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things right. to identify. Um, and You've also, got age groups to look at. You know, do yeah. you want your do you want a multi age range where there's kindergartners with high schoolers? Do you want them separated? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all these things that it's important to think about. What's what's going to matter to us? And then all, like, I think of timing as a big thing, right? Because we're used to, like, fitting nature in around our non-nature time. So I think at first glance, it's going to be, what are the after-school program? You know, besides schooling, is it supplemental, like, to homeschooling? Mm -hmm. Does your nature school, do you want it to include educational curriculum? Because that's one thing that I didn't say, traditional education. Some nature schools are actually doing more traditional Oh, what's the term like core core? Yeah, just but just out ac- in nature academics. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing academics out in nature, and then some nature schools don't real they they have a different way at getting to those same concepts that are not as conventional. And then there are some nature schools that are just focusing on the nature skills themselves. So right. try to figure out. All right, would you be happy with any of them? Because you you are doing a balancing act of what you most want, definitely put that on paper and then what's available. And then how can you, how can you help create the thing that you actually want? Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be the next piece. All right. So mission statement. Yeah. Then. And then, well, Google, like you said, 
you know, look for things and talk to other people because like you said, some mm-hmm. things aren't they don't have time to work on their website. You know, They're they just, don't have time. Exactly. I mean, when I look at our nature school's website, it's not updated. But they don't have time because they're like skinning hides and drying, you know, fruit and that's chopping down trees and things. And that's and that's okay. And you, I actually found them kind of by accident. Talk to other people, yeah, and not just like other parents, but just go to your parks and rec yeah. or, you know, when you're hiking, ask somebody like who's a park ranger. Hey, you know about this? Because usually they will have helped contribute in some way to something. That's the big thing. Is a lot of times bushcraft. People who are experts in nature are not also online experts. Like that's that is the reality. If they are out mm-hmm. in nature, they don't they don't have that, right? They're small, these are small programs, they're not mass produced because that's kind of the antithesis to what they're all about. So I have found so many things when I'm traveling through town that I can't find online, I find in flyers in parks. Yes. Go yes. to the like they are all about the flyer, right? It's just like, yeah. well, I have time to make this flyer <laughs> on my hike out. I'll staple it to this board. Yeah. So, so read the flyers because that is where I first found six years ago that we had I had there's a whole organization here that's not the school that I'm talking about of of rewilding yourself. Like way before it's yeah. cool, not on the internet is this man who's just been teaching these skills out on his land and it's got a huge community on a flyer outside the the natural grocery store, right? So you just so think outside of the internet box when it comes to looking for nature. Also, people who write, you know, your nature, local nature bookstores. So if there's like a a local nature museum, I keep saying Audubon because that's what's close. They'll often carry books by... Like a lot of experts write books, like they'll self-publish these small, gorgeous guides. Find them because they know everyone in the community. So go look, flip over those books, find their name, ask someone if they have their phone number, if they don't have a website and track that person down because that person is your is your portal to the wisdom of the landscape of your area. So yes. find them. Yes. Okay, so you've you've kind of figured out this is when you're looking for things. You might come to find that you're in an area with little mm-hmm. of what you're looking for or nothing. And I'm just going to reiterate again, this is not just for kids, but it's for yourself too. So have that in your mind when you're listening to this. And I won't repeat it again. But you can get together, like if there's nothing for you, but you really want to make this happen, this is not all on your shoulders because a lot of you know us have other jobs that we have to do. And we can't just chuck it all to go gather acorns. You could get together with other like-minded parents that are are interested in this same thing. And you don't have to be bushcraft experts because there's so many ways to educate yourself and to get help from other people. But you could just form a co-op mm-hmm. and say, you know what? The three of us will take them on Wednesday and four of us will take them on Friday. And we'll just go out to the park and do this you know, do what we're going to do or go out to the woods. You know, you don't just have to hand off your kid. Even if you're pressed for time, you can get together with other people and make it work so that you can all share the load a little bit of making this happen. I would definitely look to others so that you don't feel the pressure. Well, I mean, creating an entire school that it's, it is, I have witnessed it firsthand of someone starting from nothing to a huge flourishing school busting her butt to do so 
it comes because other parents are super passionate about it and don't have her skill set, but who have other skill sets. So definitely right. a co-op is nice. Um, just to share a little bit, the first thing she did when she wanted to have this was she had a meeting just asking people who wants to be on the board, right? Even if you don't do a formal board, just make an impromptu board. Like, is there someone with computer skills? Is there someone who's good at Facebook who can handle creating a Facebook page for our organization and informing our community? And then it starts with this little nature play date, or I'm going to teach a two-hour family wild food class, right? Now you get a bunch of people interested and you can share out your information that way. So they're definitely it's it's interesting because that organic grass grassroots grass roots that organic <laughs> grassroots feeling is almost necessary for this organic grassroots skill set right I like agree. It, it's part of it it's part of it mm-hmm. I remember I'm just I'm just thinking outside of that that traditional school when we were in I think it was Amsterdam we were in a park huge city park. I mean, huge city, right? And we were just lounging in this park and running around, big park. But there was a preschool. It wasn't a preschool. There was a school that had all these kids in this t-shirt. Like It it was a nature school, but it was a nature after school program. Mm -hmm. It was perfect because if you're trying to negotiate school, like traditional academics versus nature school. And that's like kind of an insurmountable issue. Sometimes having a three to five thirty program is way easier. Uh huh. And then you've got my kids go to nature school. They go to nature school after regular school and it serves all of these same purposes. So I just, I feel like there's so many ways this can be done. If you're like, I can't do a full school, but Hey, I only work you know, till this time, or I know someone who's really good with kids and nature after school, maybe we'll just start this kind of co-op-y. We do, everyone after nature school actually comes to our house. That's, I mean, that's not a, it's not a formal thing, but it's just like, we're going to be out moving still. And why not keep the kids moving? Because they frankly, they're transitioned outside. They don't want to come in. So one more hike for everyone, just tons of food. And then we just keep the party going. So so many different ways. And if you don't want to do a formal school, just get a hiking group together. Well, yeah, actually, one of the restorative exercise specialists who lives in Ireland, she just invites parents with their kids to come out for a walk for mm-hmm. an hour Yeah, in the woods. And, and that's just brilliant because they've got some company, you know, they're not all alone just watching their toddler wander from, from tree to tree and sit down when they feel like it. And it's just, it's an hour but it's still being out there. Very little formal structure. There's just so many ways to make it happen. A hiking group is a really great way to transition. It doesn't have to be a school. We don't have to call it a school. It's just a gathering, right? right? So hiking groups, holiday hiking groups, weekend hiking groups, after school Mm -hmm. hiking groups, dinner hiking groups. Think out of the box. So many different ways of like, all right, pack your lunches. We're doing because we all work. We're trapped inside. There are so many days when I have to be, when I, I don't have to be, where I am in front of my computer relentlessly and I feel sick by four o'clock. I'm like, that was the day. And then I go, you know what? It's not the day. There's many more hours of this day. And it's like, text everyone, dinner, meet me here, bring your kids, bring your jackets and hats. There's this apple tree I know that's got seven apples still left on it. 
and we will spend <laughs> the last three hours, half of it in the pitch black with headlamps, being outside as a huge group. And those are, to date, some of my fondest memories of my family community time. It's the day when I just kind of scrambled for those last dark hours. Like, it doesn't have to be a beautiful day and easy. It was a little more challenging, but so what? Like, it was it was great. So dinner hiking group once a week. See what See if that fits in your mission okay. statement. The, that could work. Yeah, just start small if you need to. Yeah. Okay, I am a big fan of, what do you call it when you teach yourself stuff? Ah, oh, I can't believe I can't. Autodidactic? The word, the word. Yes, thank yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Thank you. What just happened? Were you reaching for a word and I supplied it? And you it? came up with it and you said it correctly. <laughs> Yeah, I I think we've you're welcome we've passed over. We, here. This is pretty good. I feel like this we might have jumped good. the shark. This might be the moment. Wow, alternate universe. Yeah. All right. So tell okay. me more about the autodidactic group. Yes. Like well, a lot of kids are lucky and they get to go to camps. They get to go to schools and stuff. But not everyone has the opportunity. And so there are ways to train yourself. And I want to talk about a few of them that I like. And you probably have stuff that you know of. There is a program, and it's from the Wilderness Awareness School, who I think is in Duval, Washington. They have a great site with lots of resources on this sort of stuff. But they have a program, and it's called Kamana Naturalist Training Program, and they have it for adults and kids. So you can take your kid through it or take yourself through it, and you just do it in chunks, and it's an online Mm. naturalist training program, and it is super affordable. And I have started it, and I really like it. I just want to put that out there. And it, it teaches you things like, well, it just, it's great. It's great. And then there's things, there's a lot online that you can get, or you can locate people, you know, online that you can travel to or whatever. But there's a, a website called Gone Feral. Mm. And he does bushcraft and online training and in-person classes. And he travels around the United States, or you can, you know, come to Colorado and take that. There's a lot of outdoor leadership training opportunities like Knowles, which is the National Outdoor Leadership School, or that Wilderness Awareness School. So there's not, you don't need a formal formal training to start yourself off doing this because the resources in this day and age are phenomenal. Do you have any that you want to no. throw in there? No. That was no. good. It's. I mean, it's just, in the end, I think that it's just to get started, you just have to decide to start you know like i right we, we can keep giving links but they're all there on the internet for you to find them or in your particular area it's just going to be asking around and again technology using technology a little bit to help your transition back to nature just go right now to your social media and be like who who is a forager herbalist like there's so many different ways you can go about it and oftentimes i've found people in areas where I'm traveling or here in town. And it's very difficult. Like if you are, if you are really good at a skill like writing or being an herbalist or being a biomechanist or like whatever that thing is, you like, you don't have expertise in a ton of other things. And so it's challenging sometimes for someone who has that wisdom or skill set to also be a good business person. So it's hard to start classes because you have to be not only a master herbalist, but also, you know, an entrepreneur. And so it happens that these classes just become very difficult 
for these people and they just don't teach, even though they love to teach and want to teach. So I have oftentimes said, oh, I will gather the people for you. You don't have to do the work of a class. Would you be willing to teach the class? I will put it together. I will just pay you for your time. And then I can do all the work in the background. So that if you're like, Mm -hmm. I can't find the class, it's perfect for me. Then make the class that's perfect for you. Put it together. You do the work to put it together. And then the teacher and you benefit. So I I have just had to do that quite often because it's like, well, I want a class on this time with, and I want it to be all ages, right? Because I, you know, so you just, you just figure out what it is that you want. And then you, oh, I am so my mother right now, make it happen. You just make it happen. Yeah, but you can. And I, I have to say a big shout out to like parks and recs departments. Often they have not enough people resources, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of things they want to institute, a lot of ideas that they want to make happen. And if you go to them, they might be able to help, you know, and you want something, either you want to teach it or you want to make it happen. They probably have connections with those people already. And space. you're looking for and space and land and advertising savvy, you know, and outreach. So And a love love so much for the nature that they want you to do it, right? That's part of their job. They are stewards. And there is no better way to get people interested in protecting and valuing nature than being comfortable and relishing in it. Right. So that's why, you know, so many of these people are in, they want, they want what you want too. Like everyone wants it. So you just have to figure out the details. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like, I feel like this was helpful. Well, I hope so. I mean, we didn't hit all of our tips, but if. What else? You got another one? There's just, well, there's just a lot of times, you know, somebody that has a working farm will will appreciate you renting some space from them. You know, they could use the income. Mm-hmm. So you don't need acreage to make this happen. Yeah. You know, you can always do tradesies and and have the kids like actually work the farm, mm-hmm. which I think is brilliant because it teaches them so much, um, so much stewardship and respect. And you could offer to intern at a program if you ever have time which I think is a good way to learn stuff. And you kind of have a put in the hours and then they get your labor and that's a win-win. Didn't you offer to intern one time and they told you they had an internship, but it was a paid internship? (gasps) It was so much money. And I just turned that money and put it into the Kamana Naturalist Training Program. I was like, I love that. I'm going to take a third of that and still be outside and do this. Yeah. And go to the library. Yes, that is true. Go to the library and get a book. Go to the library. I mean, like there's, I just, I just feel like, if you're totally overwhelmed, like I can't start, then just go outside. Just, right. just go for and a walk. Just <laughs> such a huge movement toward this, and it's growing. Yeah. It, it yeah. has not shown no signs of just being a fad. I mean, this is nature the, the validity. is validity. Fa- nature no. is not a fad. No, but the validity of education in nature, being outside and spending time in nature, the the studies just keep growing and sure. growing. Yeah, and I think in this in this day and age i think i've said like eight times in this podcast so i probably sound like a parent too <laughs> what day but and age you, is this actually <laughs> it's this day and age gosh darn it concern it but you could might even be able to get funding oh or it, grant totally to get you started look into that because there's a lot of support right now for this because people are starting to get hey it matters find so a grant writer that's something too that yeah. a grant writer our school has received tremendous grants but only after we got an excellent grant Writer, there are a lot of people out there right. with a lot of income looking 
to invest in things that make the world better. You just have to sure. just have to be able to communicate why what you're doing is making the world better. And there's the research, as you said, daily, you know, to pull, oh, a great children and nature network has pages and pages yes. and pages of research. If you are looking yep. to do a report or to create a proposal, use them as a resource because they are so up to date and they have done a tremendous amount of work for you. So go check them out. Yes. And I have a slew of resources that we'll put in the show notes too. Great. Um, so that is that. Well, I, I'm excited. This makes me want to go out and start a nature program, even though I've already got, you know, a whole bunch to choose from, but it's, it's, there's so many ways to do it. Like there's no wrong or right way to do this. You just start, you just get outside. There's also, there is for like thinking big, thinking for that special occasion thing. There are nature family camps for like Mm -hmm. the summer where you go as a family and all of the teachers are there and it's all day long. And there is a, there's a wild food family weekend that some of my favorite foragers teach at. And they actually, they actually take the kids for long portions. So the grownups are over here doing things and the kids are all over here doing things and all of the meals are included and you are, and they're all like really good quality food. So search out something like that because maybe you're like, I can't make it in my day-to-day life. But if you have a vacation fund or you, or you do something like that, maybe think about making some sort of nature experience what you do, even if it's just we're going to camp for a week in our own town, you know, and just right. live outside or camp in your backyard. They're just just start engaging. Mm-hmm. The just end. Just do it. The end. Okay. I started this thing last show. Can I keep going? The question. Do we have time? Do it. Ask a week. Okay. And then I got to go pick up my kid at nature school. We'll make it quick. Okay. Her name is Anna Lee OB. Just like the doctor. Hello, Katie. Is there anything a person can do to stave off an oncoming tension headache or even to treat one once it's there? Usually when I feel a headache coming on, I drink a bunch of water, try and recognize any tension, hold my head and neck in a stress, uh, or if I'm holding my head and neck in a stress-inducing position. If I'm at home, I try to use my foam roller. I'm curious if you have any other tools to add to my headache toolkit, because sometimes I still have to take painkillers, and I'd rather not. Well... I was the headache girl, right? I know. Like, I don't have any, I am very fortunate in that I don't have nagging things any other place. Headache is my is my jam when I have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad jam. I'll just well, tell you right whatever. now. whatever. I mean, I feel Poor like thing. we all got, we all have the thing and mm-hmm. headaches are my, my thing. I use, I use my eyes intensely, right? Lots of reading, lots of writing. Okay. My recommendations for decreasing headaches are probably less maybe what she's asking for, but since I don't really have anything to do within the 10 or 15 minutes, maybe I, maybe I do. Let me go back a little bit farther though. One thing that I did that significantly, almost entirely eliminated my headaches was getting rid of my pillow over 18 months. Mm. That was a huge trigger for me. Whatever adaptations that were in my head and neck from sleeping on the pillow had, had it, it was almost like I was a tension headache, just a little bit of tension away from happening. Like I was, I was already so tense through the neck and shoulders. Getting rid of my pillow just made my neck and shoulders so much more mobile. Also, 
walking. Like I, I notice, like if I get a headache coming on, it's because I haven't been outside and walked long enough. And so there's a few variables that for me are noticeable. Mm-hmm. One is temperature. I'm too hot in the inside. I, the air is too snagging or something. Like being really cold helps me keep off a headache. So I don't know. I mean, all headaches aren't the same, but these are just for mine. Also, not like being able to look far away relaxes my eyes. For me, even though the tensions are in my neck and in my head, I feel like my eyes are my trigger. So lots of light looking far away and the cold seems to be what's going on. If I feel one coming on, boom, out for a walk. I'll be back in an hour because it's either that or be down for an hour. So I figure it's the same, right? You're not going to be more productive. Like, oh, I can't take the hour off work. It's like, I'm going to end up taking the hour off work dealing with a headache. So I might as well just take the walk. And then lots of water for me, lots of protein. And so these are like not probably what she was thinking. But the last one, maybe more along the lines, is the rhomboid push-up. The rhomboid push-up, instead of like tensing my neck and shoulders and like trying to like wiggle my head around to stretch it, I just go for a rhomboid push-up, which is you get on your hands and knees, let your head hang, and you let your shoulder blades sink all the way together. Because in order to get your shoulder blades together, you can't force them there. You have to allow them there. And you have to kind of... relax some of the muscles that are busy tensing Mm -hmm. your head up. So I'll I'll do a round of that, get up, walk, drink water at the, at the onset. Right. So those are my tips. Hopefully that's my headache toolkit. It takes 18 months, (laughs) 18 months. And I forgot about the pillow. That's, that's a good one. That's a big one. You know, I mean, I was a, I mean, I was probably a Tylenol. Probably took two Tylenol once a week for two Tylenol once a week for from being 16 mm-hmm. until being 35. I'm glad you don't have to anymore. That's nope. good. Nope. Nope. Good one on you. Nope. All right. Rock on hard rocker. Thanks man. Let's take it out. Do yeah. It. <laughs> Autodidactic. I, yeah. I can't believe that. I, you know what? I wrote down the date. Just because I got to remember that next time I make fun of you for making up a word, I'm just going to have to look at that. That's not even the real word. I just totally made it up. She knew the word and you didn't. I'm a a box of surprises. Yeah, you are. All right. Well, thank you for listening. For more information, books, online exercise classes, you can find Katie Bowman at nutritiousmovement.com. And you can find more about me, Danny Hammett, at moveyourbodybetter.com. Bye. Bye. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.